May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The Gospels last week and this week are part of Jesus's serious teaching discourse on how we as people of God should live in relationship with one another, knowing fully well that all of us at some point will break that second commandment of loving our neighbors as ourselves. God knows we are going to make mistakes and God is already concerned about how we are going to restore and rectify ourselves and one another so that we can continue on being the body of Christ. Today, Jesus instructs us on what to do with forgiveness. Something all of us need from God, from ourselves, from others, and something that is often asked of us by others who have hurt us. And even if forgiveness isn't asked of us, we sometimes are compelled to give it knowing that carrying grudges can harm us, create more rupture in our own lives. But forgiveness is complicated. We could have a sermon every single week of the year on forgiveness and still not be able to grasp the complexities and the relational and power dynamics of forgiveness. Therefore, today we're going to stay close to the text and look what is going on with the slave who is given forgiveness. In the parable, Jesus tells us that a man, a slave, owes the king 10,000 talents. One talent is worth 15 years worth of labor. So he owes 150,000 years of labor. There is no way he is ever going to be able to pay this debt. And we see that he is desperate. He gets down on his knees and pleads some way to pay his boss back over time for forgiveness. He is repentant. He asks for mercy. He's aware he has broken his commitment and is up the creek without any paddle, any boat. I don't know if the systems are fair that had him in this position and considering how much he owed and that his life and his family could just be sold, I'm guessing that they weren't. But we see that he embodies humility and we can learn from the man here. But the master, the king, has mercy and gives this enormous debt, forgives the man entirely. He doesn't put him on a payment plan or have his debt. He forgives it all. Amazing. But instead of feeling relief, the man is unable to accept forgiveness. 
And this is where we learn from his mistake. Instead of basking in his forgiveness and choosing to lead a life of freedom, he goes to those he oversees and begs of their money that they owe him. At first glance, we might think that this man is just greedy. And maybe that was it. But I think something else is going on here. I wonder if he didn't truly believe that forgiveness was given unto him. After all, he's been living in a transactional world where things are bought and sold, where people are bought and sold. A life that is all about debt and servitude. The concept of a blank slate must have been completely foreign, possibly even disturbing. Like that odd feeling when a band-aid is ripped off and a barely healed wound is exposed. Our impulse can be to cover it back up to make it feel safe. And sometimes forgiveness can make us feel even more vulnerable, even more human, and yes, even reinforce our own narratives of guilt and shame. I wonder if he doubted that forgiveness was real, so he set out making a plan for when the big boss changed his mind and came knocking on his door. He wanted to collect as much money as possible for those who owed him, from those who owed him a debt. And this is Jesus's way of teaching us about our own way of experiencing God's forgiveness. How many of us feel truly unworthy of forgiveness? How many of us would rather hear God say, well, what you have to do is engage in backbreaking work for 40 days and then you can be forgiven. Or what you have to do is to write a check for $10,000 and then you'll feel okay. Wouldn't it be easier to work off a debt or a sin than just hear, it's okay. I know there have been times for me when the priest offers absolution after the confession when I've wanted to say, can you do that one more time just to be sure it stuck? But of course, that forgiveness comes not from a priest, but comes from God alone. This idea of God's forgiveness going before and behind us is scary. It is vulnerable. This type of forgiveness reminds us that our actions, our actions do not control God's love and God's presence, but only God does that. Most of us carry burdens and shame from things we have done and left undone throughout our lives. And that not only can get in the way of us experiencing God's true forgiveness, but it means we have a harder time forgiving those around us. It means we become concerned with rightness and fairness and justice as defined by this world. We want an eye for an eye, a life for a life, 
forgetting that our lives have already been spared, have already been saved since the day we were born. This breakdown in forgiveness is a breakdown in love. But it's just as important to note that Jesus does not instruct us to forgive immediately. That's not part of the lesson. To preach that one must forgive immediately is toxic and problematic. There are very real hurts that we do to one another that have been done to us that take a necessarily long time to heal. And God is present in that too. To encourage people to forgive and to forget can be a way of avoiding truth and pain and real recovery that needs to happen. One of my favorite prayers of late is from a litany of those not ready for healing by Yolanda Pierce, the Dean of Vanderbilt School of Divinity. The prayer begins this way. Let us not rush to the language of healing before understanding the fullness of the injury and the depth of the wound. Let us not rush to offer a Band-Aid when the gaping wound requires surgery and complete reconstruction. Let us not offer false equivalencies, thereby diminishing the particular pain being felt in a particular circumstance in a particular historical moment. Let us not speak of reconciliation without speaking of reparations and restoration, or how we can repair the breach and how we can restore the loss. My friends, forgiveness is complicated. And sometimes it is necessary for it to take time. And other times it comes freely and right away. But forgiveness is a spiritual discipline that takes cultivation from ourselves to receive from God, for us to be able to give others, and yes, for us to receive from others. I'm reminded of one of Mary Oliver's most famous poems, Wild Geese. Oliver writes, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. God loves you. Love God back and love one another. This is the only place where true forgiveness can come. Amen. Amen.